God, we're thankful that you are our God. You're the God who creates us with wonder and glory and awe. And you are the God who looks at us that way still, despite who we are, despite who we think we are. And you call us into more. God, may we hear your voice today. May it pierce through whatever is in us or the fears that we buy into that keep us from hearing you. And may we experience you afresh and new today. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Well, it's a new year. With 2014 behind us, we get to look forward to all that 2015 might hold. And a tradition that I'm sure many of you participate in, I know I do, is the making of resolutions about things that you're going to begin this year, you're going to improve, or maybe you'll change in the coming year. Let me guess. In 2015, some of you want to lose some weight. Some of you want to eat better. Some of you would like to spend less money. Some of you maybe would like to spend more time with friends or family. All goals at one point or another I've said I'm going to do. Self-improvement, or at least the desire for it, I think is a shared hobby for all of us, and it's why so many of us make New Year's resolutions. But for all the good intentions, and only a tiny fraction of the people who make resolutions actually keep them. Multiple studies done in the past few years suggest that just 8% of people actually achieve their New Year's goals. And I get this. For many years, I have made resolutions that, sadly, I haven't kept. And I've made these resolutions with a dream of what I would like my life to look like. And they have stayed just that, dreams. And I don't think I'm alone here. I, don't, I think many of us get caught up in this cycle and find ourselves feeling kind of stuck in who we are, or feeling broken, or maybe beyond repair, wishing we could be people that we aren't, and not fully liking who we are. And that's what I want to spend some time talking about today. Throughout the past month or so, we've been walking through a sermon series titled The Greatest Story Ever Told. And during it, we've been taking popular Christmas movies and looking at the Christmas story through the eyes of the main character. Well, as Christmas has now passed, I thought we could look at the same idea, but using New Year's and look at the life that God is calling us into through the story of Joshua and the movie called The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. I saw this movie after Christmas last year, and it's the story of the manager of the negative assets division of Life magazine called Walter Mitty. Now, for those of you who are my age or younger, you're thinking negative assets, literally think film strips, not digital. There used to be like strips of film, that, <laughs> the negatives to make pictures with, and Walter manages these. And he's been working for 16 years in the magazine, living a dull life, not really going anywhere but from home to work and vice versa. And he's... Walter's an escapist. He daydreams into a world of fantasy, and he does this multiple times per day. And he also has this crush on a recently hired girl at Life called Cheryl Melhoff, but he's too shy to invite her on a date, so he's actually been trying to engineer a way to meet her through eHarmony. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I'd pull, I pulled a clip from the movie so you get to get to know Walter better. Hi, Todd Mahar, eHarmony. How can I help you today? Hi, I can't seem to leave a wink for someone. I don't know, is my page broken? Do I, do I maybe have a broken page or? Oh, I've never heard of that, but okay. Uh, you're trying to use your eHarmony account for the first time? I am. Okay, uh, I'm looking at your profile. We have a pretty intricate matching algorithm. That's what distinguishes us from other online dating services. Yeah, I like that. Actually, I'm just trying to leave a wink for one person, Cheryl Melhoff. 
She started in my division at work about a month ago, and I overheard her near the bagel saying she was on your site. Uh, okay, that's unique. But let me ask you, you left a lot of this stuff, like, like the been there, done that section. You left it blank. Yeah, I think I skipped it. Okay, well, you've got to help me out here, man. Don't skip stuff. Okay, well, I haven't really been anywhere noteworthy or mentionable. Have you, have you done anything noteworthy, mentionable? Hello? You still there? Can you hang on a second? Thought I smelled gas. Oh, I hope it's okay. I engineered a prosthesis for chips while I was sprinting down the stairwell. Little hip joint assembly with a drop ring lock and an interior pelvic band. You're not worthy. I just live by the ABCs. Adventurous, brave, creative. That's everything I want in a man. My man. Hey, my man, you still there? Hey. What, did you pass out or... No, I just, like, zoned out for a second. Oh, okay. Do you do that a lot? Uh, normal amount, I guess. It's a good movie. You should go see it. I like Walter. I like Walter because I think I get Walter. I get waking up one day and not being sure of who you are and not being sure how you ended up where you are. I get imagining a different you that isn't constrained by the events and choices and happenings of real life. I get wanting to be someone else instead of who you are. I get it because while some of you may know, I'm sure others of you don't, over a year ago I went through a divorce that I never wanted. And sadly my marriage of almost seven years ended and I found myself feeling abandoned and angry and lost. I, it felt like an instant that I'd lost my marriage and half my family and this whole life that I dreamed of. I was left with questions and wounds and this deep sense of disorientation. It took me months to even make sense of what was happening, and then after that I had to begin the journey of accepting that it was all actually happening. I had days, many of them, where getting out of bed was the hardest thing for me to do, and then once I got out, the next hardest thing was not getting back in. I found myself living as Walter does imagining this life I wanted to be living instead of the one that I was. And I did it because I didn't know how to deal with the present. I didn't know how to change it for the better, and I didn't even know what direction I should begin to go. And I found myself thinking about, where should I be? What had I thought my life was going to be like right now, and who was I supposed to be with? The challenge is that my imagination and my wishes were just that fleeting notions that, while deeply felt, were not connected to the reality I was actually living. And in the midst of it all, I clung to this scripture, and among the ones I held closely were the scriptures we read today. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He will not fail you or forsake you. These words aren't uncommon words in scripture. 
We have numerous instances where God calls us out of fear and into faith and trust in him. It's a story that the Bible tells us over and over and over again. And I think the reason why is these words, for whatever reason, are all too uncommon in many of our lives. In the text from the book of Joshua, we find Joshua, son of Nun, the successor of Moses, receiving encouragement from the Lord for the task set before him. And Joshua was in need of this because he'd seen how the people of Israel, the people he was now charged with leading, had rebelled against Moses. But now, after Moses had died, Joshua was charged with leading these disobedient people into the promised land. And even more frightening to him were the battles that they would have to fight against skilled warriors in order to achieve conquering this territory. In challenging Joshua to be courageous, God reassures him of his presence, saying that just as he had been with Moses, that he would be with Joshua. And that should be the cause for the courage and the bravery needed for the task ahead. And as I share all this, there's a few thoughts, observations I think are important to relay. One is for context. We come upon the nation of Israel in the middle of the desert, and they had been there for years. It had been longer than anyone would have ever thought, and it was something that everyone was tired of. See, they had been brought out of Egypt with the promise of being led to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land that was where it was a freedom that would be for them, where they wouldn't be under the threat or oppression of anyone. And so they fled Egypt with all the pomp and the circumstance of plagues and the whole seas being parted. But the time, by the time Moses had died, the fanfare and momentum of all that had more than passed. And suffice it to say that everyone else was growing weary and tired of just putting one foot in front of the other year in, year out. And so with the, that context, Israel is standing on the brink of the promised land. And they sit poised to enter this land that they've dreamed of, to taste honey, to deep drink draughts of refreshing milk. And yet they find themselves leaderless. And into the breach is thrust the title character, Joshua, son of Nun, hero of the battle of Amalek, a spear of the land of Canaan, Moses' own chosen, appointed, and anointed heir. And we know that because we can read ahead and see what comes next, that the promised land is conquered, town by town, people by people, and the tribes of Israel are allotted their share of the territory. See, after Joshua's spies had escaped their recon of the city with the help of the prostitute Rahab, Jericho is captured and destroyed, ultimately according to God's instructions and by God's doing. See, I think this is one of the, this is just a funny story to me in scripture. He, God tells them to march around the city for seven days to blow the horns, to shout out loud, and sure enough, the walls come tumbling down and they get to go into the city and take possession of it. And I gotta be honest, this makes sense to me. I work in family life with a lot of children and generally in the hands of like a fourth grader, a trumpet is like an instrument of like torture for me. So given to like a bunch of holy priests, I can see how it could turn into a weapon of mass destruction. This serves to highlight the primary claim that the entire book of Joshua is trying to make, which is not that Joshua is the finest of leaders because of his many virtues, but that all he achieves is on account of God who grants him this victory. Don't miss the point that drives this whole narrative. At every turn, it is God who is working on Joshua and Israel's behalf. At every turn, the promise that begins Joshua's work is well kept in mind. I will be with you, God says to Joshua. 
I will not fail or forsake you. The story of Joshua presents a picture of a life, both of a man and of a people, lived in relationship with God. God who is there for Joshua, there for Israel, and there for you and for me. Well, that brings us back to Walter. The plot that drives the the movie is that the magazine is preparing to release its last printed edition as they're transitioning to a new online format, and the new management is preparing to downsize the company. And Walter has been liaison between the magazine and this mysterious independent photographer, Sean O'Connell. And we, as we meet Walter in the story, Sean has just sent new negatives and has suggested to the senior management that they use negative 25 for the last cover of their magazine, referring to it as the quintessence of life. And everyone wanting their quintessence is wanting to see this negative. But Walter can't find it. And what's more, Walter has no way to contact Sean and when his job, along with that of his coworker, is threatened, Walter takes action in the real world, embarking on a global journey that turns, adventure, that turns an adventure into this extraordinary experience that I don't even think Walter could have ever imagined. Now, I don't want to say more than that, because I actually think you should go see the movie. It's great, and you'll love it. If you don't, we can talk about it. I'll convince you. <laughs> Walter and Joshua do something that God is calling you and me to do as well. Take action. Be brave courageous and adventurous. See, I think that many of us are in a desert and have been there for what feels like far too long. We make resolutions to leave and we dream dreams of the life we want to live, but that's all that happens. We know that on some level, the only way to step out is to step into the role that God is calling us into, but like standing on the edge of the promised land, we have no idea what that road ahead is going to bring, and we can give in to fear and we allow it to paralyze us, keeping us where we are. And yet, in the midst of that, the voice of God pierces through the fear and says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He will not fail you or forsake you. Now, I'm sure that some of you are sitting there thinking, This applies to some people, but surely not me. Other people in the room, I can point them out, but not me. You might be thinking that while this is all fine and good for them, that you're just the kind of person that God wouldn't use or wouldn't even consider using to be a part of an adventurous, brave, or courageous life. Maybe you're thinking, I just made too many mistakes. I don't come from the right family. I wasn't born in the right place. I'm not strong enough. I'm not enough of whatever I think I'm not enough of, and that means this isn't for me. And if you're thinking those things, I want to tell you, I think you're dead wrong. One only needs to look at the Bible to see that God picks the least likely, least fit, and least worthy to accomplish his plans, and that includes us. You don't believe me? Let's roll through the list. Moses was a murderer, Jacob was a cheater, Rahab was a prostitute, David makes the hat trick of being a liar, adulterer, and a murderer, (laughs) Peter denied who Jesus was, Paul oppressed and tortured early Christians, and let us not forget Mary, that that teenage pregnant single girl. It would follow here that the selection process for who is a part of what God is doing, that God's the only one who has a vote. So don't count yourself out. God uses all of us to do big and small things, and your job is to step forward in faith when called. Now, let's talk about the ABCs for a minute, and by that I mean adventurous, brave, and courageous. 
they're not everyday words. And so I get when you hear them initially, it sounds odd. And they certainly aren't words we use to describe what a life of faith in God would look like. But why not? They should be. When we think of these words, I think we start to go to this place where we think of larger-than-life people who have made headlines, graced history books because of their extraordinary acts of heroism and valor. We think of people like Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, Mother Teresa, these folks who have reached superhuman status for having the courage to defy the status quo, and they stood up for their beliefs in a revolutionary way and stood up for other people who couldn't stand up for themselves. But I think that sometimes we forget that despite their lauded status, they too were once ordinary human beings who made a choice to be a part of something bigger, something they felt called to step into with no idea where they were going. And just like them, we have the opportunity in our daily lives to make the world a better place, to stretch outside of our comfort zones, to do something extraordinary and revolutionary because God calls us into that. It's the life he is calling you into. Some of you may be thinking, I don't know how to do this. Or, I've tried this before and I've failed. That's why I'm still here. And that's okay. Adventuring, bravery, and courage are these things you don't learn until you do them. Mary Daly, who's a theologian, makes a statement that courage is like, it's like a habitus. It's a habit. It's a virtue. That you get it by courageous acts. You learn to swim by swimming, and you learn to courage by couraging. And here is why I want you to step into being adventurous and brave and courageous. I want you, like Walter or Joshua, to live a great story. I want that for me, too. I want all of us to be able to live this great story that's compelling and inspiring and fulfilling. See, God tells us that you and I... We, we are all created for glory, for greatness. The only question is if we can accept that and pursue a life that is full of those things. Donald Miller is a writer that I like, and he makes the assertion that any good story has a character who wants something and is willing to overcome conflict to get it. He goes on to say that this is the story of God, and it's also the story that God's calling us into. The challenge is, are you willing to engage the conflict of that fear? And are you willing to trust God in faith to step toward who he's calling you into? A few years ago, I learned that in a book Dwight Eisenhower had wrote, he made the comment where he talked about his mother's belief that every child should be raised to understand that if they didn't exist, their family would fall apart. Imagine that for a second. Imagine a world in which every person understood that the world needed them, that they could be a solution to a problem. Eisenhower is known for being the president of the United States, but before that, he led the troops in World War II, uniting the Allies against the fight against Hitler. And why? It's likely because he was raised to believe the world needed him and even expected something from him. Do you know that the same is true for you? I don't mean that rhetorically. I mean that quite literally. Do you know the world needs something from you? There are probably days where you feel like the world would be better off if you stayed in bed, but that's not true. God created you, and he created you with the power to bring light into darkness and order into chaos because you are necessary. 
And the sooner you believe that, the sooner you'll begin to bond with God in living a story and a life that is adventurous and brave and courageous. I think the most dangerous person in the world is a person who does not understand how powerful God made them to be. These people recklessly destroy because they think they're invisible or that they don't matter. But the sad and happy truth is that they do matter. They matter to everyone around them. Are you the center of the world? No. But the one who created the world created you as the pinnacle of creation. Accept this fact and with it the responsibility to start living a great story. Lives depend on it. Now, the questions I think you need, I need, we all need to begin to answer are, what story is God calling you into? What kind of life will you resolve to live? How will you stop dreaming of the life you want to live and begin to live the life of your dreams? For me, the path is a bit unknown, and that's okay. I used to have plans and timelines of how my life was going to go. I mean, literally about 30 years planned out when things were going to happen. I'm learning to live differently. Now I'm trying to listen to the voice of God telling me softly but consistently, Colin, be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened or dismayed. I'm with you. And as I hear that voice and I keep trusting in God, I'm going to try and start to do things that scare me. I'm going to go back into counseling. At some point, I'm going to ask some girl out on a date. I'll get rejected a few times, and then I'll ask a few more. <laughs> I'm going to stop choosing to feel lost and instead trusting God with the life that he's calling me into. Henry David Thoreau makes the statement that the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. And my brave act, my attempt at couraging, is that I refuse to be one of those men. I will live a great story. I want, like Walter, to go on crazy adventures. I want to trust God like Joshua, and I want to have a tale to tell of the faithfulness of God and the me that I found in the midst of it. Those questions are important questions, but they're questions I can't answer for you. It's hard enough for me to come up with something myself, but I can tell you that they're questions we all need to answer. What story is God calling you into? What kind of life will you resolve to live? How will you stop dreaming the life you want to live and begin to live the life of your dreams? My hope for you is that you stop living this secret life in your head of dreams and imaginations, and instead you step out into the thing that scares you most with the courage and bravery and sense of adventure that God goes with you and that with him you can do all things. God is with you, guiding you, caring for you, loving you all the way through. And I guess my push to you, if you're going to resolve to do anything this year, resolve to be someone who has a life that is full of adventure and bravery and courage. Pray with me. Holy God, thank you for being a God who's faithful. Thank you for being a God who, despite our failings and our past, a God that always loves us and looks at us with the wonder and glory and awe from since the day you created us. Thank you that you never change, that you never give up, and you never fail.
And God, may you give us the bravery and the courage to live an adventurous life. It's in your name we pray. Amen.